I'm lead pastor Noel Petras, and welcome to the Exeter Valley Church podcast. Our church plant started in 2021 with the goal of seeing God's kingdom extended in our hometown. If you're curious about Jesus, looking for a home in the family of God, or feel called to be a part of a kingdom expansion in Exeter, California, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. in the Veterans Memorial Building at 324 North Cahuilla Avenue. For more information, head on over to www.exetervalleychurch.com or find us on social media. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Michael. Um, so we're still in the book of Matthew. <coughs> And uh, we're going to study the, the greatest commandment, or maybe it's the greatest commandments. Um, so I'm going to start, we're just going to get a little bit of context, and then, um, and then we're going to break it down a little bit further. But um, So let's just get, it, get right into it. <coughs> so, so Jesus has been tested by uh, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, um, the Sadducees. They've asked him, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Yes, we have to pay taxes. Um, the Sadducees, who did not believe in the resurrection, um, asked him a question about the resurrection. And then um, he's asked this question, um, which is the greatest commandment? Um, the, um, our translation, I think we just read, said a lawyer asked him this question. A better translation, or some translations will say scribe. Um, in Mark, I think it usually says scribe asked him, but um, a good way to think about it is a Bible teacher. This is a person who studies the Bible, who studied um, the law of Moses and the prophets. Um, so he's an expert in the law. And, um, and they asked him, which is the greatest commandment? And he's not asking which, which is the first commandment. He's asking which is the most important. And this is something that um, the scribes like to talk about a lot. And sometimes they would try to sum up the law and the prophets into like one uh, nice little concise sentence. Because there's a lot of laws. Um, there are 613 Jewish laws um, that you had to follow. And they had to break... They had them broken into um, thou shalts and thou shalt not. So there's 248 thou shalts. These are things that you need to do. And then there's 365 thou shalt not. These are things that you should not do. 613 laws. So that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, it's a lot to remember. And um, so sometimes uh, the scribes would try to just sum it up into a, a simpler Version. So there was a, there's a famous uh, Jewish rabbi, um, Hillel the Elder, and he lived, um, he passed away just 10 years, I believe, uh, before a Christ was crucified. And um, he was asked this question once, and this is how he summed up the law. Um, he said, what is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow. What is hateful to do, 
to you, do not do to your fellow. So he basically took the, um, the second commandment, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and he just turned it like into don't do what you would not want them to do to you. <coughs> um, so how does Jesus um, respond? How does he sum up the law and the prophets? And he, um, he quotes uh, what is known to the Jewish people as the Shema. And Shema uh, is a Jewish word that just means hear. And so we're gonna, uh, I'm going to read from Deuteronomy where he is getting this. So he's just quoting uh, the Shema. And the, uh, the Jewish people were very familiar with the Shema. If you were a devout Jew, you would recite this twice a day. You would recite it when you woke up and, and before you went to bed at night. So this is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse uh, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It's the foundational teaching um, in the law. And so Jesus isn't really, he's certainly not adding anything um, or saying anything that they didn't already know. But what he does do, um, they ask him which is the greatest commandment, and he doesn't just give them one, he gives them two. Um, and the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and this comes from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. And so this is a, a, another law that the Jewish people are very familiar with. But it's interesting that he, he quotes both of them, um, and he combines them together. And then he says, all the law and the prophets come down to these two, these two laws. So uh, the first point um, I want to make is that uh, the law is simple. The law is simple. Um, you don't need to worry about 613 different things. Um, Jesus breaks it down to two uh, very simple things. Love God and love your fellow people, neighbors. Love God and love people. Simple, very simple. Um, <clears throat> when... Um, I want to talk about, so we, when he says that um, all the law um, hangs on these two, the word, the Greek word, um, krimate, and I'm sure I don't pronounce that right, right but that's, that's what the word um, is used, and it's translated, some people translate as dangles, but uh, just think of it as like you got the two laws, uh, the first commandment, the second commandment, and everything else hinges on these, everything hangs from these two commandments. If you're loving God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and you're loving your neighbor as yourself, um, you're going to be doing all these, other, all these other things. This is all you need to worry about. Two things, love God and love people. Um, everything else hangs on these two commandments. 
So the first point is just that the law, the law is simple. It's, and this should, be, um, this should be liberating to us. Like we don't have to worry about all these other things. At the end of the day, if we're loving God and we're loving people, we're going to be following God. We're going to be doing as well. Um, so it should be very liberating. Um, but the second point is that simple is not easy. Simple, simple is hard. Um, and we're going to get that to a minute. But I, I want to go through these commandments a little bit more and we'll unpack them a little bit further. When you read... Um, well, let me ask you this question. What would you think is the greatest sin? If I was going to ask you, what is the greatest sin, what would you uh, reply with? A lot of people might say murder, uh, which is killing your neighbor. That's, that's a pretty big one. You might, uh, you might think of some really heinous crimes. Um, but I guarantee you, if I asked you that question, you probably wouldn't say um, not loving God. It probably wouldn't be the first thing on your mind, but let me ask you this. If, if the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, what, what's the greatest sin? Is it, would it not be not loving God? Would it not be rejecting him, not following him, putting someone else in his place rather than God? Um, the second point I want to know is... Uh, or make here is that let's go back to Deuteronomy here this is um, he's not asking us to love an impersonal cosmic being um, that is not known to us so in Deuteronomy in the Shema it says hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one um, it says the Lord our God he is one um, so the point here is that he is, he is our God. Let, I mean, if I ask you why you love your spouse, like what, why do you love your spouse? Why do you love your kids? Um, they're not always great. <laughs> you know, they're not perfect. Uh, they make mistakes. Sometimes they probably drive you crazy. They disobey you. They don't listen. They scream at you. Why do you love your kids? They're your kids. They're your kids. Let me ask you another question. Um, Noel likes to use sports um, illustrations all the time. Why do you love your football team? What, you know, people, people will sometimes ask me, I'm a big 49ers fan, why, why do you love the 49ers? I don't know. I don't know. I just love them. They're my team. I love the 49ers. Um, I've never watched them win a Super Bowl. I've watched them lose two. They've broken my heart, and I love them just because... They're the 49ers. Well, why, why do you love your kids? Because they're your kids. Why do you love your spouse? They're, they're your spouse. It's your spouse. You love them because of who they are. So God is not asking us to, to love some distant cosmic being, but he's, he's asking us to love our God. He's, asking, he, he's commanding the Israelites to love. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. You know me. I've done things for you. Um, I am your God. Um, so I think that's, uh, that's very important. A lot of times, I think we read this passage um, too lightly. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And, and we just think, yeah, of course. Yeah, we love God. No big deal. Um, but it's not. <laughs> but, but really, do we love God? Do we love God? Um, and the second point is this. So not only is God a, a known God, not only is he our God, uh, but he is perfect. He is altogether lovely. He is faithful. Um, he's always been there for us. He's gracious. He's not like our kids that disobey us, uh, that aren't always great and perfect, but we love them anyway. But God is perfect. And yet, why do we struggle so much uh, to love him? Furthermore, it's not just that uh, God is commanding us to, to love him, but he's, he commands us to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. strength. Um, so we can break it down um, even further. Like, Do you love God with all your heart? And so heart, um, the Hebrew word, for heart is love, and um, it, would, it would mean probably what we think of when we think of heart um, in today's culture, but kind of like our center, the, the, the essence of who we are, our center, our emotions um, would be the heart. And he doesn't say love God with just a piece of your heart. He says love God with all your heart. Um, an, in, an interesting thing to take note of is that Jesus changes the Shema uh, slightly. When Jesus responds, he says, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Um, in Deuteronomy, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your strength. Um, so why... Why did he uh, change it to mind? Um, he doesn't tell us why. Uh, so we could speculate um, why he did it. Um, some Hebrew scholars will actually argue that um, it's implied that we should love God with all our mind in the Shema. But Jesus said to love God with all your mind, so we know it's important. And so it's not just... Um, with all our heart and our soul. It's not just with our feelings and our emotions. It's not just an uh, affection towards God, but it's how we, we think about God. We need to be thinking about God correctly. We need to be spending time thinking about God. Um, A.W. <clears throat> Tozer, uh, the theologian, said this, what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. How we think about God is important, and that's, I think, why Jesus included it 
in the Shema, to just plainly state it's not enough just to feel an affection towards God, but you also need to use your mind and think correctly about God. And this is important because how you think affects how you act. It affects how you feel. So it's very important how, how you use your mind, how you're thinking about God is, is critical. So, <clears throat> so to kind of sum, sum that up. So we love God. Why? Because he's our God. He's a personal God. He loves us. We love him for who he is. And we should be doing it with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. And so, so really what the commandment is saying is that we should be not holding anything back. Our entire being, our entire self, our mind, our heart, our emotions, everything we should be loving God with. Um, and then he says the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, he's only asked for one commandment, but he gives two. And this is, um, this is important for, this is obviously important because <laughs> Jesus said it. But um, <clears throat> he gives two commandments. So, um, first of all, I would say it's probably not possible to love God with everything that you are and not to love people. Um, God has uh, created us all in the image of God, and um, he's commanded us to, to love each other. And if you're loving God, you're just going to f- uh, be outpouring love towards your neighbor to um, your fellow um, people. But <clears throat> um, I think sometimes we think that we can love God <laughs> without loving people. Um, and this is maybe silly, but I just, I just, uh, when I, I think of someone loving God and not loving people, I think of like, a, I don't know, some kind of like a Buddhist uh, priest, and he's sitting on this rock, and he's just, you know, levitating and loving God, <clears throat> um, but he's disconnected from his fellow hu- humans. He's disconnected um, from his neighbor. He's not, he's not loving God, or um, most of us probably don't take it to that extreme, but if we're so focused on uh, the Bible and theology and we only listen to Christian music and we do all these things and we think we're loving God, but we're not um, engaged with, with people um, or we don't care about people, we don't love people, then are we really truly loving, loving God? Um, Probably not. We're not. Uh, The second point I want to make here, uh, uh, briefly, is that some people um, use this scripture uh, to promote a a self-love. It's very popular in our culture right now, but they'll say, well, uh, Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, that means you got to love yourself. You got to love yourself. Or you can't love your neighbor. And um, I just want to point out, this is, this is not what Jesus says. Jesus says uh, that the second commandment is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's not to, he didn't say, love God, 
love yourself and then love your neighbor. He said, love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the point there is that we take care of ourselves. Uh, we take care of our own needs. Um, we're constantly thinking about us. Even, even if you um, suffer from um, you know, low self-esteem, and even if you put yourself down, even that is a way of constantly thinking about yourself. Um, and th- this is not what Jesus is teaching. He is not teaching uh, love yourself, and once you get that right, once you figure out how to truly love yourself, then you can go out and love your neighbor as you love yourself. He, he commands us to love our neighbor um, like we, we do, we take care, like we take care of ourselves. Um, he didn't say, love yourself, then love your neighbor. So I just wanted to point that out. <clears throat> um, but who is our neighbor? Um, we can go to, to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And this is a very similar passage to, um, to this passage in Matthew, but um, I'm going to go ahead and and read it, I think. Yeah, I'll go ahead and read it. We'll go through it, but. So this is Luke chapter 25, or chapter 10, verse 25. And a lawyer stood up and told him, and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He gives Jesus his answer, right? This guy gives Jesus his answer. And, um, and Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied and said, um, And then Jesus goes into the story of the Good Samaritan. So the guy understood the law. He, he understood the law well. Um, but he asked, uh, he asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. We don't have time to go into this too much today, but the parable of the Good Samaritan is uh, Jesus is making a point that you're not just supposed to love uh, people like you or people that you like or people that love you. You're supposed to love the people that you don't like, the people that uh, don't like you. The Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. Um, and he told this parable to demonstrate that we are supposed to love even our enemies, even the people that we despise. Um, you got to love the Seahawks fans. <laughs> God's telling us we got to love the Seahawks fans. You got to love Democrats. You got to love Republicans. You do. You got to love everyone, everyone, even the people that you don't like. It's easy. It's easy to love the people that love you. It's much, much harder to love the people that, that we don't like. Um, so Jesus commands us to love God, to love people, even the ones we don't like. He simplifies the law and the prophets down into two very simple commandments. But my second point is that this is this is hard. This is hard. Um, 
I mean, let me ask you, have you loved God this week, today? Have you loved God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind for five minutes today, for 10 minutes? Have you really loved God with all of your essence, with all of your being? It's impossible, guys. It's impossible. So what's, what's the missing piece of the puzzle? Um, on the one hand, um, Jesus' response is, is very liberating in that he condenses the law into two very simple things. Um, but on the other hand, it's impossible. And I think this is why we read the passage and we don't really feel convicted. We read the passage, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and we all know, like intuitively we know, that's, yeah, well, that's impossible. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. So I'm not, you don't, we don't feel convicted. But we should. We should. This is, this is the first and greatest commandment, to love God. But it's impossible. So what's the missing piece? I'm going to read um, Mark's account of the same story. And it's a little different. Um, going the wrong way. So this is Mark chapter 12. Um, and it's the same. Um, Jesus is being questioned just like in Matthew. It's uh, Mark's recounting of the same, the same story. He has a little different perspective on the scribe or the lawyer that is asking the question. And so here we go. So he says, One of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, What commandment is the foremost of all? And Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, Right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one, and there, there is no one else beside him, and to love him with all the heart, and with all your soul, and with understanding, and with all your strength, and to love one neighbor, one's neighbor as himself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God. Um, so the, um, the scribe that comes forward, so, so Matthew really emphasizes in, in his whole story of the questions um, that he's being tested by, by the teachers of the law. And I, I definitely think that's true. Um, but it seems pretty apparent in Mark that the person that questions, the lawyer, the scribe that questions Jesus here, um, actually is more genuine <clears throat> in this question. He, at least personally, wants to hear Jesus' answer. Um, And Jesus, um, Jesus says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But he doesn't say you are in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> He's a teacher of the Bible. He knows the law. 
He understands what Jesus is saying. He agrees with him, but he's not in the kingdom of God. He's close. He's close. So, this is the end of the questions that Jesus is going to be, be asked. Um, but at this point, we're going to go back to Matthew, <clears throat> and we're going to read what Jesus asks the Pharisees and the teachers right after this, because I think he's kind of, he's kind of um, showing, he is showing us what the missing piece of the puzzle is. And so, and it's, um, it's interesting that in Matthew, it, it, the passages flow together. So, on these two, so I'm going I'm to go ahead and read it. So in verse 40, on these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. And then it says, now while the Pharisees were still gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. <clears throat> so now he's asking them a question. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they say, said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my hand, my right hand, until I put your enemies beneath your feet. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? No one was able to answer him a word, nor did anyone dare ask him any questions. Um, so why does Jesus ask this question? Is he just asking this question just to, to trick him? Um, He's asking this question to, well, first of all, what, what does it mean? What does it mean? David says, Lord, so this is the son of David. Everybody agreed that the Christ, the Messiah, would be the son of David. This was, this was not um, questionable. Everyone, everyone agreed with it. And they, that's how they answered, the son of David. The Christ is the son of David. And Jesus pushes them, but then why does David call his son Lord? I don't call my son Lord. Um, and David would not call his son Lord. And what Jesus is saying is that the Christ is not just another king. All of David's sons were, were royalty. They were kings. He's saying that his son is more than a man. His son is indeed the son of God. Um, so the law is simple. The law is, though, impossible, impossible to keep without Jesus. So the missing piece of the puzzle is the Christ. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. Without Jesus, it's impossible to follow the law. Without Jesus, it's impossible to get into the kingdom of God. The, the scribe was close. He was genuine. He understood the law. He had probably been striving to follow those laws all of his life, but it's impossible. And so he needs a savior. He needs Jesus. Um. <clears throat> So, how do we apply this um, to our lives? What's the practical application? Um, 
if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, if you have been striving, I mean, you're coming to church. If you're here, you're coming to church. But if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior and you're just striving to follow the law, to be a good person, to love your neighbor, um, I would invite you um, to accept Christ because you can't do it alone. If you have already accepted Christ, um, I want to challenge you to love God. Um, I want to challenge you to take this commandment seriously. And, and how, how can we love God? I mean, we could preach uh, several sermons, <laughs> sermon on, sermons on this, so I'm just briefly going to give you a few real practical things that you can do this week <clears throat> to love God. And one of the ways we love God um, is through worship. Um, God is worthy. He's worthy of our praise. He loves to be worshiped. Um, do you worship God daily? Do you worship God as you're going about your day? Um, the second one is um, just spending time with him. If you're not spending any time with God, are you loving him? Um, are we intentional about spending time with God? Are we loving God with all of our, of our heart and soul and mind? If we're not even, when we schedule out our week, being intentional about putting aside some time to spend with God, then I would say you're probably not loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So I would challenge you to be intentional, put aside some time, um, spend some time with God, pray, talk to him. He wants to hear from you. He loves you. The third, the third thing would be um, in obedience. Um, and I think this is most clearly demonstrated with, um, with parents and children. I love it when my, my son and my daughters come to me and say, Daddy, I, I just love you, but I really, really love it when they obey me and they say, yes, Daddy, I'll do that. And they do it not just begrudgingly, but they do it with a happy heart. Um, if we truly love God, we'll obey him. We'll submit under his authority and follow him. Um, so worship God, spend time with him, obey him. And then finally, let's not forget um, the second greatest commandment, are we, loving, are we loving people? Are we treating others how we would like to be uh, treated? Are we, are we caring about other people? Do we have the heart of God towards other people? Um, um, I'm gonna end um, just reading a little bit from First uh, Corinthians in chapter 13. Uh, we know this chapter well. If you've been to a wedding, you've probably heard it. This is the chapter on love. Um, and I don't want to overwhelm you, <laughs> so we're not going to read the whole thing because you could do several sermons on and what it means to love and how to love. Love is not just an affection. It's a, it's a commitment. It's deep. Um, but we're going to read the end here, um, chapter 13, verses 8 through 13. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. 
If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I will know fully, just as I have also been fully known. But now... Faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Let's love God this week. Let's, let's be intentional about it, and let's love, love our neighbors. Hey, we're so glad you joined us, but don't forget to stay connected, either through our website, our social media, or the Church Center app. Or you know what? Better yet, come join us in person on a Sunday morning. See you soon.